This is the art of charm. Learn everything you need to know to crush it in business, love, and life. The art of charm is where ordinary guys become extraordinary men. Welcome to the Art of Charm. I'm Jordan Harbinger. The Art of Charm brings together the best minds in the industry to teach you guys how to crush it in life, love, and at work. Imagine having a mix of experienced mentors teaching you their expertise, packing decades of research, testing, and tough lessons into a concise curriculum. We've created one of the premier lifestyle programs available anywhere, and it's free. This is the show we wish we had a decade ago. This show is about you, and we are here to help you become the best you can be in every area of your life. Make sure to stay up to date with everything going on here and get some great free content, drills, and exercises that'll help you become more charismatic and confident and more by signing up for the newsletter at theartofcharm.com. If you're new to the show but you want to know more about what we teach here at the Art of Charm live programs here in LA, check out the Art of Charm toolbox, theartofcharmpodcast.com slash toolbox. That's where you'll get fundamentals like body language, eye contact, vocal tonality, dating, attraction, business networking, negotiation, persuasion, relationship management, you name it. And we've got our live programs and boot camps running every single week here in Los Angeles, California. Details at bootcamps.theartofcharm.com. There's two dots in there. Or give us a call here in the office, 888-413-7177. Or you can even email me, jordan at theartofcharm.com. I read everything and I'm looking forward to meeting you here at AOC. Today we're talking with my friend, Marsha Shandor. She's an expert in making networking less awkward. We're gonna talk about how to deal with your fear when it comes to going to an event on your own, how to avoid small talk and make genuine connections, how to follow up and why it's important, of course, and uh, how to keep relationships going. Surprise, surprise, that's also valuable. Make sure people want to help you out. The best question to ask someone help you make an instant personal connection and how to get out of an awkward conversation without hurting anyone's feelings. This is a great one. A lot of networking practical tips here as well, and I'd like to thank my friends at Pistol Lake, who gave me the clothes I'm actually wearing right now for this episode. Awesome stuff, really cool kind of classic designs. Pistol Lake, just like it sounds. Thanks to you guys for the sample. I really do like it, and I don't say that about much. Everybody knows I'm one cranky, tough customer. So enjoy this one with Marsha Sandor. So with Marsha Shandor, whose name is is spelled totally like it sounds, except for somehow I still can't pronounce it. Tell us what you do in one sentence, if you can. So I help people who think that they're really bad at networking and that they hate doing it, that they are probably not, and they don't have to be. Excellent. Good. That was actually one sentence. You'd be surprised. Most <laughs> people can't actually do that. That's including myself. So. Well, part, part of what I do is help people give an answer to the question. I hate the question, what do you do? And I tell people to kind of avoid it wherever possible. But part of what I do with my job is help people come up with an answer for that. So yeah, I mean, networking is a dirty, dirty word, right? Everybody hates it. It's awful. And when I do talks, when I give talks to organizations, I'm like, who here hates networking? And everyone like raises their hand. And then I'm like, who likes networking? And two people raise their hand. It all comes down to the fundamental difference of how those people view networking. So the people that hate networking are like, it's like schmoozing, and you walk around, you're like, hey, what's up, Jordan Harbinger, give me a call whenever you need a financial planner, here's a business card, and you like shove it in someone's face, and it's like, call me, call me, blah, 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 and it's all schmoozy, or you're like pretending to be interested in the conversation so you can wait for your chance to pounce, but the people that like networking, yeah, they're either like schmoozy D-bags, or more likely, they look at the process of networking like we do, which is, it's just about making friends with people, it's fun, you meet all these cool new people, you figure out how to help them, they eventually help you. It's all about fun, productive relationships. But right, two people right. out of a room of 100 raise their hand and say they like networking and everyone else is like, no, it's, it's the worst thing ever. Well, I totally, I hate the word networking and I always try and follow up when people say, what do you do? If I say, oh, I'm a coach, I'm a networking mentor, I try and follow up like what that means just because it is that thing. Like the reason I'm teaching this is because I kind of lived through it. I worked, I was a radio host for 15 years and then I was choosing music for TV shows back in the UK and I used to think that networking meant walking up to the most important person in the room and saying, hi, love your shoes, great tie, listen, I'm incredible, work with me, I can make you big bucks. And I think most people find that terrifying. But actually, what I realized is that it's just talking to nice people that you get on well with about things that you're interested in. So I try and call it making industry friends and tell people, and that's kind of the number one thing I do with my clients often is saying, don't walk into a room and think, who should I be networking with? Walk into the room and think, 
who would I be friends with here, irrespective of what we all do? And then how can I like make, how can I like talk to those people in a friendshipy way? Or even like sometimes there are a group of people, you know, there might be like you need to speak to like a publisher or whatever. Um, but it's not going up to them and thinking, how can I network with them? It's thinking, how can I basically make buds with them? Yeah, of course. And not make buds with them for the purposes of later getting something, but just literally the way that we look at it is how can we help these people? Because if you stop worrying about the keeping score and you stop worrying about how can I get what they what I want and you just help people get what they want, which is like an old Zig Ziglar quote or something, then eventually all but the extreme takers will be able to help you at some point. And if you stop thinking about when that point might be, it just makes the whole thing easier. Right. And as humans, we're actually wired to want to reciprocate. They did these psycho uh, psychology, social psychology studies where they got someone to do an experiment and it was like a made up thing. But then the assistant would come in and give that person a can of Coke uh, that they hadn't asked for. And the people who were bought the can of pop would then go on and always do something nice back for the assistant. And I feel like we all get this. Like if you if you go for coffee with someone you don't know very well and they say, oh, I'll get it. We feel like a kind of panicky, like or if someone buys you a drink, you're like, I've got to get you one back. Like it feels in our bones. And so it's always good to come from a place of wanting to help someone, you know, from wanting to help them. But sometimes there are people where it's like, this person could really do me a favor. But if you're giving to them, then you're kind of creating that sense of wanting to reciprocate in their bones, whether that's tomorrow or, you know, in two years time. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. So let's talk about how to do that. Because a lot of people are going, great. Yeah. Oh, wait, how do I do that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm always talking about like you want to in a dream world, what you want to do is add value to people long before you ever ask for anything. Yes. Um. So this could be like someone that you've just met. It could be like your business hero whose blog you read every week. And I know you've spoken before, John, your interview with John Kokoran was talking about how, which I think he puts it brilliantly about talking about how you don't want to talk about their work, that you can't tell Oprah Winfrey that much about TV presenting that right. she doesn't already know. But, you know, you could be like, oh, you're super into dogs with costumes. I'm super into dogs with costumes. Here's a really funny article about it online. And even I feel like the, the simplest ways to add value to someone, particularly that you don't know, one is send them something that you think they'll be interested in. And it's pretty easy in this day and age to stalk people online. Um, it's but certainly if they have any kind of social media account. I think one of the wonderful things about Twitter is that, and you don't have to be on Twitter to use Twitter as well, which I think is quite an important point. And with Twitter, I feel like everybody who's on Twitter knows that not all of their followers read every single thing they post, but they also kind of think that they do. Right. And so if you say, oh, I see you're super into Orange is the New Black, they're not going to be like, how dare you know this thing which I put out in public? They're just going to think, oh, well, I guess that person, you know, tuned into my Twitter feed at that exact thing. So then you're like, oh, I see you're into Orange is the New Black. I don't know if you saw this. This is a... um an interview with a bunch of the cast. I thought you might find it interesting that, you know, these two are actually friends in real life or whatever. Right. And that's such an easy thing to do. And also it's kind of the one place where I would, wouldn't suggest being genuine with networking, which is to say, to email someone and say, oh, I was, I saw this and thought of you when actually what you mean is I sat down for half an hour, stalked you, found out everything I could about you and then searched Google to find a good, good article. Oh, right. Yeah. No, I saw this and thought of you. And yeah, you're right. It's, I'm all about authenticity, but at some point, if someone's like, I spent five hours trying to find something that you might like, it's not cre it's not just creepy. It's a little creepy, but it's it's not just creepy, but it puts pressure on, Right. I'll use myself as an example, it puts pressure on me because I'm like, damn, I don't have anything to offer this guy right now, or I don't want to really offer what this person is asking right now. And now they're kind of like, it's almost like guilt trippy in a way. But also, you know what? It's exactly what we were just talking about. It's that human urge to reciprocate that when someone yes. does something for us, we feel that human urge to respond. But something that I think is even better than that um, is, and I know you just had Sean Acker on the podcast who uh, talks brilliantly about this, where he says every morning you should email someone and thank or praise them is just thanking people for things. I feel like in our society, we're so much taught that compliment is embarrassment Every day there'll be things that'll be like a book that you read or like a kitchen utensil you use that was really helpful to you or a radio DJ that you listened to that you really enjoyed. And they could be making a huge difference to your life and they have absolutely no, no idea about it. And if you just take two minutes to send them an email, it can totally make their day. I really think that all anybody wants in life is to feel like truly seen 
and heard and understood and also to feel like they've been of service, to feel like they've left the world better off than they found it. So if you could email someone and tell them that they did that for you, then you're like giving them a huge gift. That's adding masses of value to them. And it's such an easy thing to do. And, you know, you don't have to email them. You could comment on their blog. Commenting on people's blogs anyway, most people who write blogs, I never used to comment on anyone's blog because I really thought the only people who did were people who just had nothing better to do with their lives. Right, yeah, sure. And then I started a blog and... I suddenly realized how it feels when someone comments on your blog, that it feels amazing. And I think whether you're someone who gets like two comments or 250 comments, it feels really great. And if there is someone, you know, in the online space who writes blogs that you like, if you're consistently showing up and commenting, and you could just write a comment being like, great blog. But if you can be specific about it, if you can be like, great blog, I really loved when you talked about, you know, the best way to use chapstick in the winter or whatever. Or even better, when you can say, you left me better off, you left the world better off from this blog. So, you know, I totally love this blog. I did what you said with the chapstick and I put it, you know, on my nose when I had a cold and I just have had a much nicer time. So, these aren't the kind of blogs I read. Sure. <laughs> I that's the example. But anyway, if you're telling someone that you've made, that they've made your life better, that's huge. And if you keep doing that, they're going to feel so warm and fuzzy about you that if you then ever email them and ask them for something, they're going to be like, yeah, totally, I'm going to give it to you. You make me feel great all of the time. Awesome. So yeah, I mean, where do we start though? Because a lot of people are like, yeah, 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 that's really cool. I get freaked out when I go to events and I'm never going to go to one on my own. How do we deal with the fear that comes to with going to an event or going to an event on your own? Because before we can make industry friends or whatever, in air quotes, instead of networking, we got to be able to get out of the house and, and put ourselves in front of others. Right, right. Okay, so I think so many more people are freaked out by going to networking events than the people who are freaked out realize that they are. I, I do like a little informal poll when I run workshops and I do talks and stuff where I say, okay, so that moment of walking up to a stranger and introducing yourself to them, um, who here feels like completely comfortable in doing that? And in a room of 350 people, maybe like five people will put their hands down. And, uh, and everybody else, I, I, I do it because, because everyone's introverts and they don't want to show themselves up. I get them all to close their eyes and keep their eyes, keep their hands up so that, um, I can, I can see who it is without them having to embarrass themselves. So they'll be honest and people are terrified of it. And I think, you know, the bad news about that is if you are scared of walking up to a stranger and starting a conversation with them, you probably are always going to be scared of it. So I'm really sorry. But the good news is if you're scared, like you're probably always going to be scared of it. So stop waiting until you're not scared of it and just do it. Like just push through. I still, I go to conferences all the time and I love them. And that first moment when I arrive at the conference of first walking up and starting a conversation, I feel like I want to throw up. And I do it because history has taught me that it will be fine. And also because I realize because most of the other people there are feeling the same way as me, if I can be the one that walks up and starts the conversation and saves them from having to do that, they're going to be so grateful that they'll be bonded to me for the rest of the event. So the first thing is like acknowledge that you are scared and don't think that that's a reason not to go because pretty much everyone else is. Uh, the second thing I'd say in advance, if you are scared, is have some goals. Like I think so many people go to conferences and networking events thinking, oh, I'll just go and network with Right, and it's like this vague process. Let's go network is like the new let's go to the bar and meet some chicks. And then you right. like you go to the bar and you're like, what the hell do I do right now? I got exactly. a drink and now what? I'm going to like watch basketball on a TV with no volume for two hours? I'm out of here. This is stupid. Um, exactly, exactly. So I feel like giving yourself some goals, and they can be pretty simple goals. It can be like, I'm going to go and speak to three people for a conversation where each of us has to say three sentences. So go and speak to one person. I say three sentences. They say three sentences. I can leave. Do that three times and then I'm allowed to go home. Or if it's like starts at seven o'clock, you can say to yourself, if I'm having a horrible time by 9 p.m., then I'm allowed to go home. Because I think if you give yourself these outs, then it takes the pressure off somewhat. It does. That's what I do with the gym. Oh, yeah? I'm like, if I am just like, ready to puke halfway through this, I'm just going to walk home. Even though my trainer will be like, where are you going? <laughs> Always halfway through, you know, because in the beginning you're like, this sucks, I want to go home. And then halfway through you're like, oh, I'm having fun now. Right, so right, right. Exactly. And I think once you start talking to people, once you kind of, you know, get over that scary bit, and even in terms of approaching people as well, I wrote a blog on this where I made like a cut out and keep guide that you can get for who it's okay to approach. But the general rule is, 
if they don't have to significantly change their body language to include you in their conversation or to talk to you, then it's okay to approach them. Because often people will cluster in sets of two or three just, you know, for safety in numbers, or they may have just met at that event there. And so if they're standing around in a circle and they would have to like really shuffle out the way to let you in, then maybe that's not the group that you want to walk up to. But if there's four people standing kind of open to the room, then I think it's totally okay to walk up and approach them. And the way that you do that is you walk up and first of all, you listen. And then after a while, you like your first entry into the conversation is to ask questions and only then start offering your opinion. Because you don't want to be like the jerk bag who walks up and is like, here's, here's all my opinions on all these things. I've never met you before. Um, and and sometimes with doing that, like sometimes you're going to walk up to a group of people and you're going to like, you know, go to join in their conversation and very quickly realize that it's like a bunch of best friends who've all been out on one of their bachelor parties. And that's what they're talking about. And you're actually not welcome there at all. And that's fine. What you do if that happens is just make your physicality behave like it is the most normal situation in the world and fizzle away. And I guarantee you nine times out of 10, they just won't notice. People will always follow your physical cues before anything else. So if you act like this is completely fine, then either they won't notice because they're not paying as much attention to you as you are, or they'll just be like, oh, confident dude came up and joined us for a bit and then left. Lennon and McCartney, Jagger and Richards, Watson and Crick, AJ and Johnny, what about the perfect duo when it comes to growing your business? Well, that's you and Shopify. That's right, Johnny. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million order stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms, and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. What I love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Shopify removes the guesswork with built-in tools that help you create, execute, and analyze your online marketing campaigns. And sign up today for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash charm. Go to shopify.com slash charm now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash charm. Johnny, we know if you listen to the show, you are driven. In fact, we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data. And a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to recent Indeed survey. We have hired a lot of team members over the last 17 years. Going through endless resumes, well, that's a time sink. But you know what else is a time sink? Interviewing endless people, because they're all gonna give you the best face forward. That's why we love Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com charm. Just go to indeed.com slash charm right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash charm. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
Excellent. All right. Yeah, it's it's very true, actually. You know, a lot of times you'll have somebody come up and talk to you in a group, and unless they're ridiculously awkward, and even if they are, you're kind of like, oh, well, that was weird. But even normally, you're just thinking, oh, wow, okay, cool. This dude's like super social, but we're just not into it. They usually, you usually sort of blame yourself, and you're like, ah, we could have been friendlier, but we're just, you know, we're not in that mode right now. Right, right, right. Exactly, exactly. And the other thing is, you know, there's this this notion of the spotlight effect where we all think that what's happening to us is the most important thing. And there's a mantra that I give to my clients, which is, uh, it actually came from a Helen Fielding book. It was about this, like, lady spy, and she had a bunch of, like, spy mantras. And one of them is for when she went to events by herself, and it was, no one is thinking about me, everyone is thinking about themselves, just like I am right now. So if you're worried that everyone is focusing on you, think about how much you're focusing on yourself and realize that they're all doing that with themselves. Like no one, there's also a, a, a Russian phrase that my mom uh, used to say to us when we were kids, which is, uh, and it, it kind of literally translates as who needs you. But it means like, what makes you think that you're that big of a deal that anyone really cares that much about you? And so uh, she would say it like if her friends were like, I can't come swimming with you because I haven't shaved my legs. And she'd be like, who do you think at the swimming pool really cares that you haven't shaved your legs? Come swimming. Um, so anyway, say that to yourself. Just remind yourself that like you're just not that important, which is seems like a bad thing, but it's actually kind of a blessing. It's like a cloak of invisibility when you're an introvert at a party, because if you're not having a good time, you can just go home and no one's going to notice. Whereas I think... For so many years of my life, I'd be like, oh, I can't leave now because if I leave now, everyone will know I'm leaving because no one was talking to me. And what I didn't realize is like, no one was noticing that no one was talking to me because they weren't talking to me. Right. Yeah. You're out of their focus. And it's, right. it's we're all kind of like kids when it comes to our level of focus, right? It's like, oh, everyone's staring at me. And it's like, no one's thinking about you. Right. At all. Right. Exactly. 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 Um, so approach people because it's okay to do that and, and walk up to groups because it's okay to do that. And then I feel like one of the things so many people say to me when I say I'm a networking mentor, they're like, oh yeah, I hate networking because I hate making small talk. And I'm always like, oh, bless you. You're not special. Like everybody hates making small talk. Everybody, even grannies like don't make small talk. I hate making small talk. I just don't do it. I feel like grannies will start telling you about like their bunions and their bowel movements. So they don't do it. I think the the one caveat is I feel like you need one small talk question to enter a conversation. Because I think if you walk up to a stranger and say, what would you rather have, a cloak of invisibility or the power to fly? Then they'll just kind of feel like you have quite bad judgment. But I think if you ask your one little like, you know, where did you come here from? Or what did you, you know, what was it? Have you been to this event before? And then start asking better questions so that you're not getting trapped in the small talk bubble. And my favorite question to ask, I said earlier that I hate the question. What, the reason I hate the question, what do you do, is partly because, partly because it's just super tired, partly because there's definitely been like periods of my life before I got um, the kind of main job I had as a radio DJ. I'd moved to London to try and get that job and didn't have one. And people would say, what do you do? And I would think, wouldn't it be hilarious if I told you the truth? And if when they said, what do you do? I'd say, well, mostly I paced the corridors of my mom's apartment, weeping, wishing I'd never left my last job. What do you do? And so <laughs> I feel like try and avoid that question if you can. Um, a better question is, uh, how's your week been? Or like if it's a Monday, Tuesday, how was your weekend? Or how's your week going? And then as quickly as you can, follow it up with what was the best bit? Or what was the bit you really liked? So the reasons, I, li I like this question for like a ton of different reasons. Partly because you'll often get like, a pretty good idea of what they do do without actually having to ask the question, what do you do? Also, I feel like it's quite good. You know, some people are introverted and they might not want to answer a very personal question. But if you're saying, how's your week been? Then uh, everybody has an answer for it and they don't have to answer it very deeply. They can answer it with as much or as little depth as they choose. Um, but also, if you particularly if you're asking, like, what was the best bit? It gets them talking about something that that person's passionate about. And partly you're more likely to find those common touch points of things that you're you have in common like oh my god you play squash I play squash let's talk about squash or whatever but also when people are talking about things they're passionate about they feel really great and when people feel great around you they feel great about you there's a Maya Angelou quote uh, where she says people I've learned that people will forget what you did people will forget what you said but people will never forget how you made them feel and I have had so many situations where 
I've met someone and I'm now pretty good at asking questions that gets people talking about things that they're positive about. And some situations where like I have barely spoken. I've just been asking questions the whole time. I don't believe that those situations happen to you. Because I'm not even, I just turned my microphone back on. <laughs> Did you just go and make yourself a cup of tea? I, I made myself a sandwich <laughs> while you were talking. But um, but I'm, it's because I'm good at asking questions. I think it's because, because I was on the radio for so long. One second of silence for me is An like eternity, 20 yeah. minutes. And so I'm so terrified of silence that I'll ask questions, um, jump in. Anyway, so I've had these situations where I'm asking like a million questions to this person. I'm barely talking. And then I hear a report back from them to someone else where they were like, Marsha is fascinating. What an interesting woman. And I haven't spoken. They just remembered that they felt really great during our conversation. So if you can get someone talking about something passionate, something that they're passionate about, you'll do that. And then the final reason I love like, how's your week been? What was the best bit? Is I feel like you can kind of gather information that then you can use to add value to that person later on. So say they are talking about, I don't know how they watched the um, the World Cup and how brilliant it was. And then you can use that to be like, oh, did you see this really great article about that? Or have you seen this movie trailer about soccer that's coming up? Um, and you can use the information that you like gathered during that conversation. Right. Yeah, of course. Excellent. I, I like that a lot. And one of the ones that I use a lot at professional networking events or when I'm actually going with high performers is which are the best ones, by the way, the best events and the only ones that I go to now. I'll say, how did you find out about this? Because then you get, oh, well, I got invited through EO, Entrepreneur Organization, or, oh, uh, you know, I'm speaking and they reached out to me, or, oh, my brother is a speaker here, or I'm running the event with so-and-so, or, oh, I just found it on their website because I'm really into uh, whatever area where this website advertises these conferences. You know, right. some of those websites are like, oh, I found out about it through XYZ organization. It's like, holy crap. Okay, so there's people here from YPO, which means they're making like $10 million a year or more or, or whatever, and they're a C-level executive in their company, and you can sort of read between the lines. And the, you find that those people are less nervous because they go to these things all the time. But it depends on the event where you are. If it's a bunch of people who don't have businesses but are maybe interested in possibly starting something, sure, how did you find this? Or you know, maybe the, the, some of the small talk type questions, what have you done this week? will be of interest, but a lot of the entrepreneurs and the people that have really been crushing it for several years, if, you've, if you ask what do you do, a lot of them, including myself, I'll blow that question off by saying, uh, you know, I'm a spokesperson for a small business, or I run a small business with some friends. Right. I, I don't want to be like, I run a talk show that is big because I don't want to hear about, you know, oh, you should sell my crap on your show, because I hear that every single day, and the last thing I want is for somebody who came out with a really cool ebook, bro, to tell me all about it and why I should have them on as guests next week. Right, right. You know? And also, if you're asking someone, like, how, how your week's been, what was the best thing from your week, and you end up talking about, like, their kids or something, which, by the way, if you want to add value to people, ask them about their kids. Or if they have dogs, talk to them about their dogs as if their dogs are their kids, particularly if they don't have kids, and they will love you forever. But anyway, so if you're talking about those things, you're talking about something different than everybody else's. And I feel like in terms of, you know, if you go to a conference and you speak to two different people and one of them has this like amazing elevator pitch and they tell you what they're doing and it just sounds so impressive and they've got this like, you know, great resume or whatever. And then there's another one where you talked about like drawing eyebrows on dogs and you had this like hilarious 20 minute conversation about drawing eyebrows on dogs and like showed each other pictures on your phone then the one that you're going to feel more moved to help afterwards or like the one that you're going to want to hang out with more afterwards is the eyebrows on dogs person because you know you can have a good time with them. Whereas the person that has the shit hot elevator pitch might just be really good at doing an elevator pitch. Excellent. Yeah, that's a good point. I never even thought about that. But yeah, you, you may be onto something where they've said the same thing so many times that they no longer, yeah, it's like total autopilot. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And some people are really good, you know, like we've all worked with people where we're like, how did you get this job? <laughs> because you're completely incompetent. And and often it's because they're really, really good at doing interviews. Or, you know, something that we've spoken about before, but is that I really think that having the combination of social skills and common sense and a hardworking ethic, those three things is so rare, so rare. Like often people will have two, you know, they'll be really hardworking and super nice, but they're just idiots. Or they'll be really smart 
and like fun to hang out with, but they couldn't give a crap or, you know, the other one. And so actually having those three, if you can show that you have those, and I feel like if you're making those friendshipy connections and having those good conversations, you're going to get a better gut reaction on someone than you are from someone who does something, as you say, that they've been practicing for a really long time. Absolutely. Well, great. What do we do then once we sort of established a little bit of a relationship? I mean, then what? Is that when we throw our business card in their face and be like, call me when you need financial planning? (laughs) So one of the main things, you know, which ties into the thinking of it as making industry friends is that networking is a long-term relationship, not a one-night stand, that it's not about wowing people. The question I get asked the most, this is what I'm going to make my next video about. The question that I get asked the most is when people say to me, oh, I'm so bad at selling myself. Like if I go to a networking event, I'm really bad at selling myself. And I'm like, okay, amazing. Here's your answer. Don't fucking do it. Like you wouldn't go to a speed dating event and sit down opposite someone that you just met and be like, hi, I think I'd make a really excellent husband. Uh, I'm going to do really great things for our kids. When we live together, I'm going to arrange the furniture super nicely in our living room. If you just met someone, that would be a crazy thing to do. And they're going to think that you have really bad judgment and run the other way. In the same way, like someone that you want to work with or that you want to be employed by or whatever, don't walk up and start telling them how you're going to be an amazing employee in six months time. I feel like just have those friendshipy conversations. Make them like you, first of all. Make the, like Give them a reason to want to spend more time with you. And that's when you start, you know, once you've already established a relationship is when you then when you can start pitching to them. Yeah, that's true. Because then it's not this random dude at this stupid thing starts telling me all these things he can quote unquote do for my business. And he doesn't even necessarily understand my business because he just met me at this dumb event. Like, what are these? Not, I hate when people do that, by the way, if you can't tell. But if people are like friendly with me and, you know, there's something else or some other connection there, even if we're not like hanging out every week playing squash, you know, if somebody's friendly with me and they're like, hey, I noticed this thing on your website. Is there a reason you do things this way? Because in my experience, best practice is this, although, you know, you might have a reason for doing this. And sometimes I write back and I'm like, my reason is because I don't have anybody who's going to manage that and I don't have time to manage that. And they go, well, have you ever thought about hiring somebody to do that and optimize that for you and make that look good and fix that. And I go, yeah, but I just, it's so low on the totem pole. I just don't know how to look for the right person. Da, 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 da. And sometimes that person then goes, well, I mean, that's kind of what I do. And it's not the same thing as, hi, my name is Marsha and I looked at your website and I am the CEO of website development incorporated.net. And I would love to redo your homepage for Google, number one, Google search results. Like right. that's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm talking about somebody pointing something out, asking a question, you know, over, and this might happen over time. And they might say, cool, well, if you don't mind, what's your strategy for this? Ah, well, you know, we also don't really manage that very well. And I've got, this as another strategy. Okay, cool. I mean, sort of not being like, oh, you're clearly doing this wrong because I'm an an SEO expert. No, you're not. You don't know anything about the art of charm. Um, You woke up in your mom's couch and you think you know how to use Facebook better than me. So you wrote me an email. I don't want that. But if somebody's going to offer some sort of value and ask probing questions, a lot of times they find or they expose a hole in something that I didn't think about. And then if they offer to fix it for free because they like the show, awesome. And then if that works for me and they don't ask me for something in return because I see these also these crappy pitches coming from a mile away, then when I need their help, they are the first person that I call. Right, right. And then asking for something in return, I think is key. Like another thing I would say is, if you it is really helpful when things point, someone emailed me the other week, and there was like, a, am so strict about typos, but there was a typo in one of my email templates. And I was like, Oh, my God, thank you so much for telling me. But she also couched it in saying, you know, I, I did this, I did like a free class. She was like, I did your free class. I really found it helpful. I went and did this as a result. Listen, by the way, there's this and I've done that with people in the past where I'm like, you know, I really love your podcast, by the way, the way that you list it, actually, if you listed it this way, then that could be better for you. Anyway, thank you so much. So it's not asking for anything. And it's couching it with a compliment or something nice rather than just being like, Oi, bro, there's a mistake, fix it. Yeah, exactly. Which, you know, we get a lot of that sort of barky stuff. And, and sometimes (laughs) people go, Oh, there's a mistake, you know, this is doing that. And I'm like, actually, that's totally designed to do that. Thanks for not having a clue about it just sort of highlights how they don't understand business. I had somebody actually write to me and say, you know that little chat thing? Your website sucks because there's a chat agent on there and he's like annoying. And I'm like, that's funny because that's something I would never, I would sooner take my logo off the website than that live chat because that's how well it performs. 
Right. And right. but thank you for telling me that you're a non-buyer and you're exactly the type of person that I don't care right. if that if you ever visit the website, you're never going to get value out of what we do. You obviously don't have any patience. You're probably a little bit immature because let's be frank, that little ding with somebody asking how can I help you and then never saying anything unless you talk to them is really not that bad. Right, but if he'd written and been like, hey, totally love the podcast, thanks so much. You know, the interview with Sean Acker was really helpful. I changed this, this, and this. By the way, that box that comes up, I don't know if you noticed, but it does this. Like, I mean, not that there's anything wrong with your box, Jordan. But, um, but you know, but, but have you considered like doing this thing instead? Um, here's why it might be good. Anyway, all the best end of thing, then you might have actually like listened, even even if you weren't going to take on that advice, you might have been like, oh, cool, nice point. Thank you. Or like, thanks for taking the time to think about it rather than just, as you say, barking. Um, I wanted to talk about something else after events, which is even before you get to the point where you're offering for help is sending follow up emails after you meet people. So I think if there's like an industry you're trying to get into or, or like an area that you're trying to like crack, I think that you should send a nice to meet you email to everyone that you met that vaguely is in that industry or if you want to narrow it down like everyone that you met and liked and I go to conferences all the time and people never do this they never do this and I feel like you don't just have to send it to the people that you met if there's like speakers that you liked uh or you know you watch people on a panel and you can just write and be like hey I really enjoyed your panel you know someone if you didn't get the chance to go and talk to them um, it honestly never happens. I used to do conferences. When I was choosing music for TV shows, I chose music for a couple of big TV shows in the UK, Made in Chelsea and The Inbetweeners. And I would go to conferences with like 400 musicians and I would say, I should get an email from every single one of you tomorrow. And I know you're all sitting there thinking that you're going to send them. And I would get like maximum 15 emails. And then after that, I wouldn't get any more. You know, I wouldn't get any kind of follow-up chase up. So, and and all you have to do in that nice to meet you email is I have a little template that I'll share with you, but it's just like, hi person, then put yourself in context. So you could have met this person for three seconds, but it was lovely to meet you with Jordan um, when we went to the, you know, Art of Charm conference. I really liked what he had to say about ballpoint pens or something. And basically what you're doing is you're being like, remember, remember when, remember when you were talking to Jordan? Remember how there was that other dude there? That was me. So put yourself in context and then you can literally be like, hope you had a great rest of conference, all the best. Or if you want to make it even better, just add a little bit of value and just be like, um, you know, here's an article on ballpoint pens or something. If you can reference the conversations or even be like, I noticed that you're into such and such. Here's a movie trailer that's coming out about that. Um, or here's a book linked to a book. Anyway, all the best, your name and not asking for anything. And the reason for doing that is... Partly because it might start a back and forth, it might start a relationship, but even if that person never emails you back, even if you don't know when you're going to need that connection, say it comes to like a year and a half later and you suddenly really, like they move to a different company or you suddenly really need an in in their company, you could send them an email that's like, hi Steve, I don't know if you remember me, I met you like really briefly about a year and a half ago with Jordan, you probably don't remember, anyway, hi. That's like not very classy. Whereas if you right. can do it as a reply all to your first email and be like, hey, Steve, haven't spoken for a little while, wondered how you are, blah, blah, and then asking your thing, they can scan down, see that they met you before, which does a bunch of things. It gives, if they've met you with someone else, it gives you credibility because they're like, well, Jordan's okay. So if Jordan was talking to this guy, then he must be okay. Um, plus it makes you stand out a little bit more. Plus, people will always invest more in someone they've already invested some time in. It just somehow is psychologically easier for you to speak to someone you've already spoken to before, even if you don't remember speaking to them before, than it is someone who's absolutely brand new. I often get emails from from people. I still do like the old bits of music supervision and I get emails from bands and they will forward me like a conversation that we had a year and a half ago that I don't remember who they are. Like I don't even recognize their name. But the fact that they that I spoke to them already makes me think, oh, well, past me thought that they were OK. So I guess they must be OK. At some point I made that judgment call. Oh, that's good. That's brilliant. Um, you, of course, they have to be careful not to lie. Like a lot of people go, you express some interest in me <laughs> auditing your website. And I'd be like, oh, that's funny because I totally fucking didn't. You express some interest in giving me $2,000. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah. Excellent. So follow up. Awesome. Most people don't do it. It's amazing how many, how few people amazing. actually do it. It's It's actually pretty shocking because I'll get these people approaching me after a talk and they're like, I just really, you know, I need this resource. It's so good. Da, da, da. 
And I'm like, cool, here's a card. You know, I'll send you some resources. They never friggin' right, write. Right, right. <laughs> I'm like, you booked a ticket to fly to Las Vegas to improve your business. You met somebody who can improve your business and you're just like too lazy to send me a, mes- a message. And now a quick message from our newest sponsor. Remember, supporting our sponsors is the best way to support the show. That's right. AJ, did you know socks, tees, and underwear are the three most requested clothing items in homeless shelters? I had absolutely no idea. Bombas knows, and they're doing something about it, making ridiculously comfortable versions of all three and donating one for every item sold. With all the clothing brands out there, it's nice to find some basics that don't just feel good, but do good too. That is completely amazing, and that's why we're so excited to be working with our newest sponsor, Bombas. To date, Bombas, one purchase equals one donated commitment, has helped customers donate over 100 million essential clothing items to people facing homelessness. That's a lot of good done by people just buying the Bombas they wear every day. Visit bombas.com slash charm and use code charm for 20% off your first purchase. And once you try Bombas, you'll know why so many people have purchased and donated so many. The comfort geniuses at Bombas work tirelessly to make your everyday things your favorite things. Whether there's an arch-supporting sock that feels like it was sculpted to your foot, a buttery soft tee with no itchy tag, or underwear that feels like nothing while supporting everything. The best part, AJ, Bombas has a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you got the wrong size, your dog chews up your socks, or a pair vanishes in the washing machine, and you know they will, it's easy to get a free return, exchange, or replacement. There's nothing worse than when Puppers gets a hold of my favorite Bombas athletic socks. They're precision engineered for being active with sweat wicking power, impact cushioning, blister defense, and no annoying toe seams that get between you and your goals. I try to limit my essential purchases to one time a year, and I was so pumped to know that Bombas has my underwear, socks, and tees needs completely covered. I have been loving the soft underwear and tees here in Medellin. Ready to get comfy and give back? Head over to bombas.com slash charm and use code charm for 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash charm. And use code charm at checkout. Now, back to the show. How do we keep the relationship going and make those people actually want to help us out? Because, yeah, you can add value over the long term and stuff like that, but how do I, how do I make people want to get back to me and be like, boom, here's money, a job, connection? So adding value over the long term, like we said, which is, which is, you know, sending them emails, but also commenting on their blog posts, also like Twitter and Facebook and stuff. I mean, often what people want the most is for you to promote their stuff. Like often what people want the most is more clients. So if you can help them do that. And I would add a note that if you're on Twitter, don't, if you press the retweet button, it does nothing. Like people don't notice who is in that tiny little icon. And what you want to do is repost it in a way that adds value to that person. So be like, excellent article. Thanks, Art of Charm, you know, at Art of Charm or whatever, like, you know, really another, another great piece by at Yes, Yes, Marsha. Um, just something that makes you stand out slightly and is going to make you show up in their feed so that they get that little adrenaline hit of like, oh, someone mentioned me on Twitter, which so many people do. Or same on Facebook, you know, when you're commenting and the same when you can do, if you can do like a you transformed me comment to be like, my life is slightly better as a result of you. Another thing that I'm super into is Coffee dates or Skype dates or phone dates with people. Um, ideally, coffee dates if they're someone local and I have like a little email template for what you, you know, how you ask someone out. And one of the things that I say is that you say, I was wondering whether you had 20 minutes sometime when I could buy you coffee and ask you about specific topical question. And so 20 minutes is because if it's like an in-person coffee, half an hour just feels like a lot of someone's time. 15 minutes, like you pretty much got the coffee and sat down and then it's time to go. But 20 minutes feels like a kind of reasonable amount between the two. And then the specific topical question is because you don't ever want to be like, oh, I just wanted to take you out and pick your brains. Because that's pretty much Jordan. I'm sure you get that all the time. I get that constantly. And I just say, no. It used to be like, oh, I feel bad about this and da 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 or like, oh, let's do a phone call instead. And now I'm just like, let's stick to something specific. In fact, I got one the other day that was like, hi, I'm a coach in your industry. And he described himself as a life coach, which made me want to bang my head into a cinder block because that's not a real thing. And and yeah, I said that. It was just like, let's meet up because I live near you and we can talk about how we can help each other. And I was like, wow, that is the most vague 
waste of time that I could possibly engage. Like, that is on, so far on the bottom of my list that I would rather clean my bathroom than go talk about how I can help one another. Like, it doesn't make any sense because I don't know who you are. Right, you know, right. Wh- and I think people don't realize that you're basically saying, please come and work for me for free. Yeah. Come, so that I can make money. Right. Come teach me how to do some aspect of your business so that I can try to compete with you and and or, yes, maybe I can help you do something better. But there's a huge maybe that somebody who's been doing this for a year and considers himself like some sort of vague life coach, what they want is for me to promote them so that they can make more money, like you said. And it, it never has anything to do with anything. When I meet with somebody, let's let's take Tim Ferriss as an example, because a lot of people love him and know who he is. When we connect, it's not, hey, let's let's hang out and talk about how we can help one another. No, thanks. I'm good. Both him and I would feel the same way. Hey, Tim, I noticed your podcast is getting a lot of negative reviews for the audio quality. I've got a professional studio. Would you like to come and see it? You can record a test show here. We can record something. You can do something solo, look at the equipment and see the final product. If that sounds good to you, then let's do that. And then we can grab a bite at Samovar down the street afterwards. Great, Jordan. See you next week. Not, hey, let's figure out how we can help each other do business. Because you know what that means? Hey, Tim, you're so big and famous. I want some of your client base and your fan base. Can you write about me for your blog? No. Go die in a fire. But also, I would add that it doesn't necessarily have to, like, sometimes you can email, like, I think asking people out for a coffee or a Skype date or a, or a phone date, and with the phone or the Skype, I would downgrade to, like, five, somewhere between five and 15 minutes rather than 20 minutes. But um, but sometimes it can be you asking. But if you say, I'd love to ask you about a specific topic or question, then, A, they know that you're not just saying pick your brains. B, they know that you're not sending the same email to 25 people in the industry. And C, like they have the chance to downgrade it to a phone call or to an email or something like that. And I think, you know, one of the things is that people do want to help people. Like so many people in our kind of industries and whatever, in every industry I've ever worked at, got where they were because they got so many legs up from people ahead of them. And so they want to kind of reach back and pull people up. But there's so many people asking for help. They basically, they want to help people who will be good at being helped. Yes, that you is know. exactly, that is so true. I, yeah, you're right. I Because I help a ton of people who can do absolutely nothing for me other than accept the feedback and the help. I do that all the time. So it's not, it's not I need something in return. It's that I need to know that you're not gonna just try to find ways to make money off of me and or not listen to anything I have to say. Right, and that's a huge thing that I think, you know, we all know how it feels to give someone advice and then have them not take it. And there's been so many times, and I don't, you know, I used to be just a lot better at responding to people who asked for help. And when I would just find they didn't take any of my advice, it's so crushing. (laughs) Um, Because I think not only is it like, well, I just wasted 20 minutes of my time for no reason, but it's also like, it's pretty offensive that it's like, oh, so you made me spend 20 minutes of my time that you didn't pay me for. And then now you're basically telling me that my advice is shit because you decided not to take it. That's why even for people that are like dirt poor, can't afford my coaching that I mentor free, I always charge them for the first session and it weeds out 98% of the guys asking for help. Because right. they might be like, oh, I can't do this. You know, I'm in high school. It's so much money. And I'm like, cool, I'll give you my special rate of $400, which is probably all the money that you have. Right. And they go, no way, man. And I go, cool, bye. So talking of weeding people out, the way that I often do it is I just won't respond to the first email and see yes, whether I do or not they're too. tenacious. Of course. And one of the things, I think if you're asking someone for something and you're being reasonable about it and you are, you know, couching it and, and, and adding value <laughs> while you're asking, because sometimes you need to do that value add like in one email, which is something that you can totally do. All of these email templates, I'm going to put on like a special web page, which will be yes, yes, Marsha forward slash art of charm. So I have an email template for how to ask a big shot for a favor. And you're basically truncating that experience of adding value where you're being like, hi, big shot, here is where I add value. Here's the favor I'm asking for respectfully. And then here's how to end it. And I have a magic mind control sentence, which I will tell you about um, for how how to get people to respond. But anyway, if you're, if you're asking something, I think you can email someone up to five times before you give up, as long as, and this is so important, you leave at least two weeks in between each email. And then in the what you do with the second email is you just do a reply all to the first one that you wrote, take out any signatures you might have, and then just put one line like, hi, Jordan, just wondered whether you had a chance to look at the below. All the best, Marsha. 
because I love when people do that because I so often don't get to emails. You know, I'm now finally checking my email twice a day. And so there's tons that I don't get to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, oh, or I'll just read it and be like, oh, yeah, 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 I'll deal with that. And so when people give me a little nudge, I'm so grateful that they do. Plus, for me, it weeds out a bunch of people because I think, well, you can't have wanted it that badly. Otherwise, yeah. you would have tried me again. A- absolutely. I agree. That weeds out the people that don't want it that badly, don't value it enough. And here's the thing. I'm not even, quote unquote, really busy. I only get, and I put the only in whatever kind of quote you want, about 200 plus emails per day. And so if somebody comes and asks me for something, I have no prior experience with them, and I I don't really know how how the rabbit hole is going to look, it doesn't go into like the screw you pile. It goes into the, okay, at some point this week or next, I'm going to go through and plow through all of these old emails. It does not go into, I need to answer this during my lunch hour today because I've got enough of those. Right. right, From like my own business partners are trying to get me to respond within 24 hours, you know? So like, don't get offended by that and don't send a follow-up email the next day being like, hey, where are you on this? Because the answer is, are you kidding me? That's the answer. (laughs) But similarly, like, don't think, oh God, you know, I used to send two emails to someone and then think that they were being like, she's hassling me all the time. But it's like, if you're getting 200 upwards emails a day, and some of these people are getting thousands a day, like your tiny email, again, it's like nobody cares that much about you. Your tiny email is not bothering someone that much. You just fell out of their brain. So stop thinking that it's significant that you didn't hear back from them. Even if someone's offered, because sometimes I think people will be like, oh yeah, I'll totally help you with that. And then they don't respond because you just fell out of their brain. So give them that little nudge. Something I would add as well is if you have a very, very clear call to action, that often I'll get emails and it'll be like several paragraphs long and I'll scan it for a question mark and I'll be like, no, there's no question. Like, I don't actually know what you want. I know a lot about your personal life right now, but I literally have no idea why you were emailing me. So make sure you make it very clear. I mean, try and make them short anyway, but have ask a question with a question mark. And then have a clear call to action, whether that's, you know, can you, can I call you? Whether that's, can you reply to this email? Whether that's, you know, can I come and talk to you when you're at such and such a conference? Make it very clear. And I'm not talking about like the ultimate thing. I'm not talking about like the ultimate big favor. I'm talking about like literally the next step. Um, and, and what here, I'll tell you my mind control sentence. So this is like my secret sentence that gets responses from people. If you have two mins to hit reply and let me know, that would be fantastic. So I, I say two mins. And the reason I have that if you have two mins, and I say mins rather than minutes because it sounds even shorter, is that basically you're kind of subconsciously being like, dude, it's going to take you two minutes. Like, you've got two minutes. And then the, to hit reply and let me know is just this weird psychological phenomenon where when you talk someone through the process of doing something, mm-hmm. they are way more likely to do it. So I learned this when I was on the radio. I used to get people to text in and let me know what they thought of my record of the week. So there was a point where I was doing like weekend breakfast show. So I would be like, you know, record of the week, text and let me know what you think. And there just wasn't really a lot in it for the listener. You know, they'd text me at the time, they'd be charged per text. And maybe I'd read it out and maybe I wouldn't. So out of 100,000 listeners, I would get like eight people texting in. Right. But then I changed it and I started saying, and, and, and bear in mind that British people have been texting like many more years than you North Americans have. So we all know how to text. But I would say, do me a favor, get your phone out, go to compose message, 83936 in the number bit, have a listen to this and let me know what you think. And I would immediately get 100 responses because I think maybe like you're freeing up the tiny subconscious part of that person's brain that's deciding like, oh, how is it that I reply to an email? Oh, I hit the reply button. And so you're helping them do that. But yeah, hit reply and let me know. So, so, but, but let me know, like, tell them what specific thing it is you want them to let you know. Perfect. Yeah, I love that walking because sometimes I'm just firing through 80 emails at once, literally. And it, and I'm like, oh, I have to think about this. Oh, okay, I'll do it later. But if someone's like hit reply and let me know, I might, I might, I can vision myself doing this, hitting reply and going, yeah, that makes sense. Or I would do the latter. And then once I start typing, I'll probably just type a reply. Right, right. But even also as making it as easy, sometimes like, I love when I get emails that are like, just hit reply and say yes or no, <laughs> because then literally that's all I can do. Like I don't, I don't have the obligation to do anything more than that. So making it like really super specific and really easy for them. Another thing I'd add is always put your contact details underneath your name, including your email address, because you never know like if an email is going to get forwarded to someone 
And so again, you just want to make it like as easy as possible. So much of this stuff is just about removing barriers. So remove the barrier of having them having to find your contact details, remove the barrier of having them to work out what it is you want from them. Yeah, just make it as easy as possible as you can for those people. Wow, I love that. So much value there. And I want to get one quick tidbit that I saw on your YouTube channel before we wrap here. And it's how to get out of an awkward conversation without hurting anyone's feelings. Because it's funny because it, it really, it doesn't work in every conversation because sometimes people are awkward and you're like, oh my God, is this guy still talking? And then it kind of wouldn't work. But if it's just that awkward silence where you're like, so yeah and i think so often when you're especially if you're at a conference or an event there's just a point where like the conversation just runs dry and it's not that you don't like this person it's not that they don't like you it's just run dry and often the only way to get out of it people think is to say oh i'm gonna go and get a drink but then if the other if it is someone that you want to avoid then they might be like oh i'll come with you (laughs) or if you're like i'm gonna go to the washroom and they'll be like i'll be right here when you're back Um, So my thing is, and this goes back to what I was saying earlier about how people will always follow your physical cues, is you just smile very warmly, look them in the eye and say, it was lovely to meet you. And then walk away. And they will just pick up on your physical cues and be like, and they'll feel good because they'll be like, it was lovely to meet me. (laughs) I'm the kind of person who is lovely to meet. And, uh, And I say this in the video that I feel like if you had, like imagine someone who's happy high status doing this. Like imagine Obama doing that. Imagine George Clooney looking at you and being like, it was lovely to meet you. You'd feel like fireworks in your chest. You'd feel great. If it's someone who literally doesn't stop talking, and I have had those two, then I feel like you can still do it in a warm way. And this is maybe the only other time where I would advocate not being fully genuine because sometimes it wasn't lovely to meet people. But don't be like, you're kind of a dick and I really want to leave. Right, yeah. Um, but so is either say it's lovely to meet you or say, you know what, I'm really enjoying this conversation, but I promised myself I would speak to, you know, lots of different people this evening. So can we maybe pick this up over email? And then you don't ever have to respond to their emails. Nice. I love it. Well, great. Is there anything that I haven't asked you? Because honestly, this has been really good. I think a lot of people are getting insight into what it's like to talk with busy people, which is, you know, they're no stranger having listened to the the show about that. But I think it it helps to kind of give them a clearer picture. And now they've got some magic tricks and tools to make this really easy, knowing that they need to follow up, be tenacious, do it in a tactful way, offer value. I mean, these are all great. And of course, the magic wand reply trick, which is great. And uh, how to end an awkward conversation. I think everyone's coming away really well armed here. And I would say one more thing, which is don't forget to network with your peers. Pretty much every job I got in radio, I got through someone who I'd done student radio with, where we were both nobodies. And then they ended up getting some job that was higher up and they pulled me up with them. So don't think that you only need to like punch above when it comes to networking. Make sure that you're like networking with all the people around you as well, because you never know who's friends with who and you never know who's going to end up where. That's so funny. You should mention that. My favorites are always like, man, I'm networking with this guy. He's really nice, I guess. And we're like hanging out and he, I don't know. He He's okay. He's a good guy. I like him as a friend, so it's not a waste of time. But you know, for business, there's not much happening here. And then you find out, and this has happened to me a few times, you find out like, oh, wait, your brother's who? Wait, are, you have a JV going with who? Oh my God, I just won the lottery here because this person's cool, but like, I had no idea. And then suddenly you're like, and they know you're not just blowing sunshine up their skirt because you were nice to them before you knew any of that stuff. And you were cool with them before all of that. Right, right, right. I just heard about someone, a friend of a friend who managed to get on Oprah because she was super nice to one of Oprah's interns about five years ago. And then this woman emailed her and was like, you you cared about me when no one else did. So I'll help you out. One more thing I want to add, which is like an important point that people don't talk about very often is when it comes to whether you're like thanking someone who, you know, you did have a coffee or a Skype date with, or just sending that thank you to someone whose blog you really love. Sending stuff in the mail, nobody does it, everybody loves it. You can buy like a card from the corner store or you can just make one, (laughs) make a card that just has like a picture on the front and says thank you and send that to people. People love getting mail and most mailing lists legally have to have that person's PO box address on the bottom. So that's a pretty easy way to get their mailing address or just use Google, just be good at at using Google. Um, But yeah, sending a handwritten card or handwritten note is going to make you stand out a mile. Perfect. Thank you so much, Marsha Shandor. Great work. This is awesome. I love the practical stuff. Networking never gets old. 
No. As long as you think about it as making friends, then it never does. Excellent. Always a fun and interesting one with Marsha. Show feedback and guest suggestions. This show is a fanarchy. It's run by you. If you've got a guest for me, email me, jordan at theartofcharm.com. If you enjoyed this, don't forget to thank Marsha on Twitter. She'll be linked up in the show notes. And of course, our live program bootcamp details, bootcamps.theartofcharm.com. Remember, two dots in there. Subscribe. If you need to stream it on your phone, we've got an iPhone app at artofcharm.com slash iPhone, artofcharm.com slash Android. They're free. Special thanks to the Jasons for their help in production of the Art of Charm podcast. So please tell your friends because the greatest compliment you can give us is a referral to someone else, either in person or shared on the web. So have a great week. Go out there and get social and leave everything and everyone better than you found them. Thanks for listening to The Art of Charm. Get more confidence, relationship skills, life hacks, and everything for the extraordinary man at theartofcharmpodcast.com.